0: Thank you. Well, good morning, church. I'm excited to be able to stand here and just share some things with you. And um, thanks, Don, for the opportunity. This is something close to my heart. So, um, yes, you can flick it up the first slide thereof, taking action. That's what I want to talk about this morning. that is the house that I lived in as a, as a young girl in Papua New Guinea. I'm actually down in the river. <laughs> now, um, <clears throat> about three weeks before my mother went to be with the Lord, I was sitting in her hospital room with my two uh, nephews. They were in their 20s. And mum and I and the, the boys were talking, and um, it was exciting talk. And suddenly she sat up in her chair and her finger went up like this, brainwave. She said, I know, I know. Why don't we each, and she pointed to each of us, why don't we each choose one shockingly exciting thing and do it? (laughs) And I laughed, I said, whoa, boys. I said, there you go. Your 92-year-old grandmother has just thrown down the challenge to you. And she said, oh, Rose, she gave a little peal of laughter. Don't say I'm 92. I feel 28 inside. (laughs) I love that about mum. So I started doing some serious thinking. And um, one of the boys ended up going to um, Kazakhstan on a missions trip and ended up – that set in chain, a whole motion of events that he's um, going to do Bible, Wycliffe Bible translation, and possibly going back there. He married a girl that went to hear about Kazakhstan. It was just fantastic. And I think all because mum said, well, one shockingly exciting thing. Uh, I started thinking about different things. And most of them um, didn't fit the shocking part, you know, <laughs> I would think, oh, I could go here, wasn't shockingly exciting, but one little idea nibbled away, nibbled away, and um, and then I thought, I faced it, and I thought, I need to go back to Papua New Guinea, and I need to retrace my childhood steps, so that's 53 years ago, <laughs> and I'm, I, I can't believe it, but it took me five years to do it, Anyway, but I did it. And so just a few weeks ago, I came, um, my sister and I, all the men that were going to come with us somehow dropped away (laughs) as the bodyguards. And the two twins, the twins went and we uh, retraced our childhood steps. However, it almost seemed more like we were retracing mum and dad's steps. And I'm going to share with you some principles that... um, I've been thinking a lot about while I was in the jungles of New Guinea and since I've come home. And to me, they are actually principles. As I was driving in, I was thinking, these principles apply to pretty much any great um, venture, any big thing that pretty well everyone's done, anyone's done. They're They're so fundamental. So um, as we flew in, Penny and I on the plane, plane, we looked out the windows. It was like we were seven again. Jungles as far as you could see. Rivers snaking through, you know. And this incredible excitement. We didn't know what we were going to find over there. And then suddenly I'm thinking, gosh, mum and dad, how nervous they must have felt. They were just ordinary people from Dilworth School in Auckland, <laughs> you know, and uh, they, they knew they were going to the jungles, they knew there was no power, they were taking their three young children, and I just think, wow, it's pretty amazing. If you flick up that first um, slide, Jonathan, oh, okay, that's one I saw, there, there we are, the jungle girls. We always had a belt with a knife on it. <laughs> I tell you, just in case we needed to skin a snake. <laughs> Flick the next one up, Jonathan, and there we are 53 years later. Isn't that cool? Hallelujah. And Daniel 11, verse 32 says, But the people that know their God will be strong and take action or do exploits, whatever your translation you like. But I tell you what, the people that know their God, and that's us, put your hand up, that's you, will be strong in faith, and their lives will be marked by action. They'll do things. We will do things. We will not slob around. (laughs) Our lives will have a divine impetus, and we'll be captured by some sort of passion or vision that's what God wants anyway Um, we won't be sitting idle do you know I think you know that we were the only white people we saw there and uh, in many ways it had hardly changed actually flick the next photo what have I got there okay yeah okay what is that okay that's a sight as we just landed got into the jeep and I thought oh my goodness time has stood still here it hardly changed the jungle was still the same. The villages were still the same. Turn to the next one. I can't remember what I put on. There's the river where we used to swim. Still there. Still the same. But you know what has changed? All the white people have disappeared. There used to be a big presence of uh, Australian missionaries, New Zealand missionaries. It's just on our, on our they're our neighbours. Papua is so close and it was so in need of the gospel and the church back in the day when mum and dad went, was sending a lot of people. But do you know, Penny and I were the only whiteys we saw here. We saw them on the plane going to do the Kokoda Trail. But the jungle stayed the same, the town has gone back. It looks so shabby and old. And, um, but the church was so exciting. Oh my goodness, they are passionate. You know, and I saw 500 people uh, coming to celebrate Pentecost. I tell you what, they're more Pentecostal than we are. Just telling you that. You would have thought so. They were every time, they were shouting. Talking, we sang that song. What a powerful name it is. The name of Jesus. It was powerful standing there, two white girls amongst 500 Papuans and the man up the front saying, there's power in the name of, and 500 voices. Jesus, they were shouting. It was fantastic. There's salvation in the name of Jesus. And then they, you hear the sound coming down the road, and they're shouting and singing, and then you realize they're singing, and Tark would have loved this. They're singing, the church of God is on fire. The church of God is on fire. And they walk down. To Shouting that was fantastic. So what the people have done, the missionaries have done, is still in the hands of the Papuans, and they're doing an amazing job. All right, quickly. The people that know their God, next slide, (laughs) will have courage. Is that showing? The boldness of faith. Do you know, Mum was terrified of moths in New Zealand. And as I flew into New Guinea, I just remembered... The challenges she had when these big rhinoceros beetles would come flying in and sort of latch on, stick insects so long. She needed courage. She needed courage, never mind the snakes and the crocodiles. Just the beetles were enough. Dad was terrified of thunder and lightning. I didn't realise that until we got there in the first um, monsoon Thunderstorm hit, oh my goodness. It was unbelievable and poor dad was frightened. His face, when we were watching the missionary, the the main missionary, on the first night dad and mum are there, they've come from New Zealand, they've landed in this hot, scary place and the man says, now you need to keep this sharp and he gives dad a big bush knife, you know. (laughs) Keep it sharp. Keep it by your bed. What do you have to do every day, Evan? Keep it sharp, you know. <laughs> you know take the kids up to the loo, about 100, 100 metres in the in the jungle. Take your bush knife with you, Evan, in case you see a snake. They like to hide in the toilet. You know? <laughs> Dad says, what, what what do I do if there is a snake? And Roddy gr- grabs the bush knife and says, chop off its head. Oh, <laughs> Lose your pearls. Chop off, your head, oh, chop off its head. Do you know, the second night we were there, there was a huge commotion in the middle of the night. Dad told us to stay in bed. He got up, got his bush knife, and went out. You know, this is just a teacher from New- Auckland, city boy, and a big python, uh, 14-foot python, was in the, in the, in the chook pen. And the boys, Roddy, the main missionary, was there, Heck, and no, hitting at it with a cricket bat. Where was his sharp bush knife? I don't know. Anyway, courage. They needed courage. And I think anything that we do, any, any missionary book that's out in our library, any one in your shelf, any movie that you see of people that have done something, it will have two things in it, Guaranteed challenges and courage we need it we need courage to face the challenges that will be there and there it is um, the beautiful verse from Joshua be strong and very courageous be careful to obey you know and then it goes on be strong and courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged for the Lord will be with you wherever you go. Do you know when I went um, many years later to begin um, doing missionary work in Borneo, I flew in on a plane, looked out, jungles and rivers everywhere, and I thought, oh, my goodness, it's like I've gone home. It was just the same. I got off the plane, and do you know there was a letter waiting for me there in New Guinea, in, uh, in Borneo. It was from my mum. And she, she said, I wanted to be there when you got there. When you arrived, I cried, <laughs> feeling very homesick. And this was the verse that was on that letter. Why did she give me that? Because it had been her verse when she went to New Guinea. So we need courage. Uh, flick up the next side, Jonathan. Uh, this woman is called Pauline. I just got her there because she was a 58-year-old widow. She preaches the gospel in the jungles. She walks six weeks in the jungle to go to different villages. Now, if you've ever been in the jungle and feel the heat, you know, there are snakes, there's all sorts of things. She goes there, usually two or three women. Where are the men? Now, the men are there, but the women are amazing. And they she um, goes and preaches. She is so passionate. And um, she was telling me, oh, she said, last year, we went, we went up into a village, long way, long way, Rose, and she said, I, I was with other, other women, and we had our babies, and we had some young women, and one, one man was with them, a, a father, Anglican father, and uh, they're in the jungle, they've uh, come off their canoes, and they're walking in the jungle, and suddenly, they uh, are surrounded by uh, rascals, you know, young men with machine guns. And uh, she said, oh, sister, sister Rose, it was just chaos. We all started screaming, Jesus, save us, save us. And the mamas were running to try and go into the jungle and snatching their babies. And the father, she said, he threw down what he was carrying and he he threw his hands in the air and he ran towards the rascals and said, Shoot me, but let the mummers go free. Courage. Gosh, I tell you, this is real. This is happening now. She's up in the villages now, um, and I think of her in my comfortable life, and I pray for her. But we need courage, and any vision that you've got, um, it will take courage of different sorts. Okay, the next thing we need is vision. And John three uh, four verse thirty five says, "Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white for harvest. Lift up your eyes and look. Don't just be like this. Actually, I saw a funny thing um, on the on the internet, a new a new um, potential scope for seeing eye dogs." And there's a photo of all these people holding these blind dogs while they're looking at their cell phones. <laughs> I thought that was classic. Anyway, it's got nothing to do with this. But lift up your eyes and look. There are opportunities all around us. We need to see. And do you know, one of the um, the condemnations, the sins of the Laodicean church was they were blind they couldn't see and and they in fact the, the bible says you say i'm um, rich i have need of nothing you know but you do not know that you're poor blind rich you know miserable they didn't see they were blind all they were thinking about was themselves and not seeing the need we mustn't do that we've got to lift up our eyes and look and ask god to open the eyes our eyes. Ah, okay, sacrifice. I want to talk about that. Acts 20, verse 24. Paul said this. Those things that were dear to myself, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. It will take sacrifice. Sacrifice. Mum and dad sacrificed to go, and I'm forever grateful they did. Um, I was confronted with this again, going back there. Um, Do you know, in Pop and Detta, the people that I met, Penny and I met, they still weep when they talk about the martyrs over there. And uh, where we lived in, in, in Popendetta, out in the mission station, there's a silver cross, and that is where two young, beautiful um, missionary girls were captured by the Japanese and kept in a little um, cage and were eventually uh, martyred there. And um, flick over the next photo. Uh, thing, there's Penny and I standing at Gorna Beach, And this is where um, I had a cry on that beach because five missionaries were captured there and made to kneel on the beach and were beheaded there. And their um, bodies were thrown into the sea. Do you know, the Papuans still cry about them. They still thank God for the sacrifice that these people made. And what was astounding to me was they cried about my parents. Now, mum and dad just went as teachers. It wasn't like they were great missionary preachers or anything. But they shared the love of Christ in a very practical way. And and dad's old pupils came out of the woodwork. You know, they'd just arrive at eight in the morning, and there'd be another one that Dad had taught, and now he's an old man. But they were saying, because of your father, I got a job, and I became a policeman, one of them. Because of your father, I became a teacher. And then one of them said to me, if your parents had not come, and if the other missionaries had not come, we would still be cannibals. How, you know. So sacrifice. Flick to the next side, uh, Jonathan. There's a um, a monument right by the house near where we used to live, and um, it's marking the grave of Vivian um, Redlich, and he was one of the ones beheaded. And it says, this monument stands as a testimony to the fact that his father publicly forgave his son's killers. It's just so powerful for me to see. And that was erected, I don't know, 2009. Look at that. His family, 50 years later, uh, are coming back to just honour that. Okay, a sense of urgency. This is uh, what we need. The fields are white now. John 9, work now for the night is coming when no man can work. And, you know, just the thought here, when is my night coming? When is your night coming? We don't know. We need to work now. Now, I'm not saying that we should all get up and become missionaries. I know that. Some of you will. But we've all got jobs to do. God's given us all a task to do. You know, um, whether it's fostering children, I'm looking at uh, Michelle and Bryce. Whatever it is, big tasks it will take sacrifice and this urgency. Um, turn to the next one. Jim Elliot said, oh, no, that's not Jim Elliott. That's David Brainard. There you go, Jake. That was the slide. He said, what would I look like with long hair? <laughs> I love his intense eyes. He said, how rare are the instances of those who live and act from day to day as on the verge of eternity? who striving to fill all their remaining moments in his service and to the glory of their great master. He was an amazing man. He went as a missionary to the Indians, um, the native Indians, and died very young of tuberculosis. If you turn to the next one, this is... Oh, no, don't turn to the next one. Okay, that's fine. It'll come later. Um, consecration. Romans 12 says that um, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God and view of God's means to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. We give our lives. It's not just our bodies. It's consecrating our lives, and that's so powerful. If you turn to the next one, um, this will be Jim Elliot. There he is, another gorgeous young man Um, and he said this, one does not surrender a life in an instant. That which is lifelong can only be surrendered in a lifetime. So it's not just that one moment of consecration which I actually made down at the Baptist church. I prayed for the Baptist church as I drove past this morning, remembering me kneeling at the front, consecrating myself to God. But that one act... Of consecration is not enough to last me through my—that was 50 years ago. Um, It's not enough to last me the next 40 years. (laughs) Claiming it, (laughs) we need to be constantly consecrating ourselves to God. Every time you feel moved in the Spirit, like this morning, just say, "Father, here I am." Oh, I've got it there. Here I am. Send me. Use me. Use my life. And that is what is so important uh, to keep doing. All right. And great endurance. I've thought about this um, a lot, having been in, back in New Guinea. Let me read this, 2 Corinthians 6. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience. Each of these is a message, I tell you, and kindness in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God. With weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left. Through glory and dishonor, bad report, good report. Genuine, yet regarded as impostors, Known, and yet regarded as unknown. Dying, and yet we live on. Beaten, and yet not killed. Sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Poor, yet making many rich. Having nothing, and yet possessing everything. What an amazing passage. Wow, that's a servant of God. That's what they're like in Papua. It was humbling to see it. Do you know they have um, so little. The the apostles were uh, poorly clothed and homeless. Huh? Um, it's not just big um, sacrifices, it's little ones. It's, it's the great endurance for the trifling little things as well as the big things. Um, put the next photo up, I think. A photo look at this is the bishop's truck. (laughs) I tell you, it was falling apart. And this thing, we went out roads that honestly, I got out and walked through deep things to see if we could get through it. And it shudders and goes along how it keeps going. I wanted to get a video of him starting it it, because his whole body and everything shook as I'll doom, 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 doom finally it would go and he'd say hallelujah <laughs> and off we'd go ah <laughs> oh, look he ju- he just emailed me and he said sister rose um my truck uh, has uh, um run out of its um not its warrant what's the other thing that we have registration they have such a thing in papua and he said i have no uh, no money to get get a new registration. Can you help me? Yes, I can. Absolutely. The little that we give is nothing compared to the work that they're doing. You know, the least we can do is support them. Penny and I went there, um, you know, we went there and we were so moved because, look, I went to wash my clothes. They wanted to wash them for me. I said, no, 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 no. I I washed them, took them out to the two concrete tubs. There's a sort of tap, but there's nothing to turn it with, you know. And so I said to um, Vivian, "Um, there's no tap. Wait a minute, Rosie, she said. She ran and got a spanner, ran into the kitchen, took off the one tap that they've got that they just rotate around. Penny and I went into town, and we bought two sets of taps for about $15. It's nothing for us, but everything for them. Do you know what I mean? It was just those little things that so um, moved me that we can do something. You know, um, my brothers, the siblings, Penny and I and two brothers, we're setting up a fund to help these people because we've got history there. We can help them with things, you know. They, I cooked dinner one night, Maggi noodles, two minute noodles. That's all we had, um, and um, I said it's just as well Chris didn't come. He would have starved there. Um, he said no, I wouldn't have. I would have gone out and bought more food. <laughs> but anyway, you know they look after eight girls where we, where the house where Mum and Dad and I lived. They're looking after eight girls that are needing help. I went out. There are three knives in the whole place and about five spoons. That is it. That's it. So we went into town, and if you're lucky, you can find things. Yes, there were knives. Penny and I bought knives, forks and knives. There's a, they had an oven there. It didn't work because they didn't have the money to buy a gas cylinder and get it connected. Do you know what I mean? Someone's gifted them an oven. (laughs) We couldn't, we couldn't, we wanted to buy them a a gas, couldn't get it in New Guinea. You know, it's that sort of thing. There was a fridge there that someone had given them. When we put our butter in it, it was melting in the freezer. (laughs) And then we realized they didn't didn't have gas either. So it goes on. There's just practical things that we can do. Anyway, I better keep moving on, but we can partner with them. We left our glasses, reading glasses. Vivian, one of the girls doing the work of a missionary, she is the Papuan looking after these girls, preaching in the villages. She's straining to see at night to read her Bible. She needed reading glasses. Penny gave her hers. Oh, I can read it. So we left everything we could there. Mosquito nets. We left our mosquito nets there. That, Widow didn't even have a mosquito net when she went out into the villages. What? Oh, I think, gosh, we can help these people, you know. Hallelujah. We left guitars there. The bishop, he's been praying for 10 years for a guitar because he said he used to have one, but he put it down when someone that was demon-possessed was coming towards him, and he went to cast this demon out, and he stood on his guitar. (laughs) So we left our guitars there and capos and whatever we could, all the clothes that we didn't need. We left them there because they need them. So church, I'm just, I, you know, I know it's a bit of a wake-up call, but there's so much we can do. There is so much we as a church can do to open our pockets a bit, be willing to go, to encourage, you know, ever since we've been there, They've um, Vivian, named after one of the martyrs. They still call their babies after the martyrs. It's amazing. Um, she emails me every day, and I'm encouraging her. I left all my messages, Christian. You know, my, I was going to preach. I left all my messages for Pauline, and that night she just pouring over them by the Tilly lantern, pouring over them, saying, "I'm going to preach this to the villagers." There's so much Don we can do. It's exciting. Okay, last. Quick. Action. They will take action. When Jesus saw the crowds, he felt compassion. He felt moved to action. And you know what he did? Um, he prayed for workers for the harvest. He felt, he saw the need, he felt compassion. He prayed for workers, and then the next chapter, he sends them out, and he tells them, go out and preach the gospel. Heal the sick. You know, it's wonderful. Compassion is the most powerful force, I think. It just makes us respond. Now, turn up the next one, um, Jonathan, Charles Spurgeon, and click it again. Oh, it's there. Brethren. Now, this is Classic quote written, said, in a missions meeting. They're gathering around to talk about what needs being done. And he's sitting there listening, and finally he just says, Brethren, do something, do something, do something. And then he says, for no use talking and planning, do something. We need to do it. And um, this is the action. Now, Jake and I have just finished reading a fabulous book. You can flick this one up too. Um, Bob Goff. Look at it. I love that look on his face. He's great. Um, And he's written a book called Love Does. And he's saying, well, I'll read you this quote. He says this. um, What does he say? What do I need to do to live into the person that Jesus made me to be? And how could I learn more about him along the way? Do you know what the answer for me was, he says? I did stuff. I know that sounds crazy, but the more stuff I did, the more I learned about him. Love does. It sees a lonely person It feels compassion, and then it makes us make a dinner and take it to the neighbor to visit the old person, to go and talk to the people in hospital, whatever. It does things. It does. And he finishes the chapter, one chapter, by writing, buy that plane ticket. Make that phone call. Visit that person I remember reading it with Jake, and I said, I've got to book my ticket to Papua New Guinea. I remember reading that. Do it. Do it. Do something. What's stirring in your heart, do it. Make a move. Get up off our seats and do things, and little things. It can can just be little things, but... um, you know, Matthew 21 talks about the two sons, the parable, one that says, yes, 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 I'll go, and doesn't, and the other that says, no, I won't, but goes, which one did the will of the Father? The one that did it, the one that, it's not what we talk about, it's what we do, and as a church, I've been praying, oh, I prayed for us a lot in New Guinea, because I saw the potential, and I thought, all oh, these beautiful people that We are as a family, there's so much we can do. There's so much we can do. We just need to be a church of compassion and action. Compassion and action. Oh, I get excited when I think about it. Okay, and I'm finishing now. Um, Actually, young people, I was thinking about this in the early hours of the morning, young people. One of the most important things you'll ever learn to do is become givers, givers, not just of your money, but your energies and your time, but you need to, we need to change from being egocentric little people that rule the roost, (laughs) to grow into givers, people who give. So young people learn to tithe, it's a great way to learn the, the basic of giving, and then Have an open heart, and then go and give and make a difference. See the lonely widow, visit her. See the homeless, go into the streets. See the sick, go and visit them. See the hungry, feed them. See and do, see and do, see and respond. We need to respond. And that's what I want to challenge us, that our church, made up of me and you and you, we will see the needs, that we will feel compassion, and we'll do something. Just start by doing something, be it ever so small. And I, what I want to do, um, I know some of the doing is praying. Don't ever underestimate the power of prayer, and um, especially for you older people that Cannot go and endure great, you know, difficulties that the young ones can do. Pray, pray, pray for them. We are a partnership. That's what I really felt seeing the people in New Guinea. They're there now doing it. We need to be supporting them, praying, giving, and yes, going. So, what I want to do now um, is just t- take a moment. Um, and I saw, actually I woke up early this morning Oh, Chris will say that it makes a change but I did and I was lying in bed and thinking and just praying about this morning and a song that I wrote 20 years ago 20 something years ago came to my mind and it's a prayer and I'm going to just say it and I want it to be a prayer make it your prayer but what, I, what I'd like you to do only if you want to But either you can put your hand on your heart or you can put it on your eyes and pray this prayer. Would you do that for me? So just, um, it's, it's a prayer that I hope most of you will want to pray. So, Father, light my eyes. Make them keen. Help me see the things that you have seen. Lift the veil that often lies so heavy, so blinding on my eyes. From selfishness, set me free, light my eyes. Let me see the hidden tears from all the hurts they've carried through the years. Though their faces may not show, give me eyes to see the pain below. From selfishness set me free. Light my eyes. Father, we pray as a church this morning that you will light our eyes. Father, help us to lift up our eyes and look on the fields. See that they are white. And Father, may our church respond. May there be compassion just churning amongst us, creating responses here, there, everywhere, in our neighbourhoods, in our town, in our city, in our nation, in our world. Oh, God, that you will help us to have courage, faith, and make the sacrifice to reach out with your love. Father, here we are. Use us, send us, motivate us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Oh, Don's got his hand on his heart. Don't you love it? Amen. It's good. You know, I just love this church, and I know that... um, that uh, we're going to have a real impact on our world. And um, I just release you. Love does. Let's go and do. Amen.